0: People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life.
1: I like Wes Eisley. I like everything about
0: him. All right, tonight we have a legend in magic. Legend is thrown around so much, but... um. I worked at Magic Shop in 1995-96, and this dude had VHS tapes and DVDs on the shelves. This guy, um, my whole entire Magic career, he's one of the people I've looked up to. Uh, Prolific creator. I mean, you must have 50 different Magic tricks on the market. Uh, Legendary uh, host of Penguin Live lectures for numerous years, countless years. I don't know, 10 years, something like that. But uh, everybody, I am so excited. My buddy... Dan Harlan, what's up, bud? How are you? Hey,
1: hi everybody. Uh, uh, good to see you again, Wes. It's been a little while, and uh, you know, real happy to be here. Uh, you know, let, let's talk. Let's uh, let's uh, talk about magic and have some fun.
0: Well, so I know you from your Rubber Band DVD. I think was the first thing, and then packs Flat Play Big or Pack Small Play Big came out. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, after small that.
1: Because uh, not everything was flat, but everything was small.
0: Everything was small, but um, and I had all those, man. So I mean, you were. Even before the – I told you before the podcast started, you were on my television in my house three hours a night. It, my wife. Yep. You watching Dan again? You watching yep. Dan again? Yep. <laughs> so um, it's just you've been there my whole magic career, dude. So thank you for all the influence and all the creative stuff that you've given me. You, I don't want to just blow smoke, buddy. I've, I'm a
1: fan. Well, no, you're, fan. you're very welcome. That, that's really – I mean, that, that was my purpose. I knew uh, when I started out, uh, I knew that I could just uh, i you know I could just uh, stick to my own and and make a living without ever associating with another magician uh, and and do a great show and become you know a worldwide sensation and all those kinds of things I could do that right or I could give back to the community that supported me when I was young and and you know and and also uh, kind of emulate my idols because at the time i had I had idols that were that were really great teachers that were doing wonderful things. You know, Michael Amar and, uh, and Paul Harris and Daryl and all these guys, uh, you know, I, I, I saw them coming to my town and sharing their magic with all of us, uh, you know, all the, the groups that I attended. And I loved that. And I was like, you know, no matter what happens in my career, no matter how famous I get or how busy I get, I always want to be able to give back, to give to the community, and I don't want to hold back any of my secrets, uh, like they're like they're great treasures. They're valuable, you know. They're, there's and for me, they're all usable and they're all solid. Everything I do is is commercially viable. I, you know, I don't I don't sell a thing or talk about a thing or teach anything unless I firmly believe in it and have used it in my own act. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it should be so treasured by me and no other magician's allowed to use it. What I think is that if I share it, and I share it properly, it makes all magic better. Because one of the things that we fight against is the perception of a magician. You know, audiences uh, used to think uh, of magicians as, uh, you know, as just the, the weird rabbit in the hat pulling guy in the tuxedo that does kids' birthday parties. Most of that has faded. Part of that I think I'm responsible for, and Paul Harris was responsible for, and some of the other people that uh, you know had appeared on talk shows uh, in the early days uh, but but nowadays with the advent of the internet and all of the other magic specials that are on TV like Penn & Teller fool us and, and all of that kind of stuff uh, there's a there's a better exposure to more varieties of magicians so audiences around the world don't have that singular idea that stereotypical idea of a magician they now know that magicians come in all shapes,
0: sizes, colors and ages, you know, that's it's really great. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I you say that and it just made sense, you know. I put you up there with Amar and Daryl as a as a creator. I mean, you you've done it. I mean how does that make you feel to be among that list of Paul Harris and
1: well, yeah, it makes me feel uh, sorry for those guys because I'm so much better than they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, we'll keep, we'll go. Let's go somewhere
0: else. Let's go somewhere. Else. That's
1: good confidence. I love it. <laughs> I don't edit this thing, Dan. What, what's happening here? Well, I, you know, of course I'm kidding, right? I want, I want everybody to know that I'm kidding. It's so difficult to joke around about uh, things in this day and age because people take things seriously, and even if they don't take things seriously. They like to stir the pot, you know. So, uh, so no, I have I have the utmost respect for them, of course. Uh, and it it was always my intention to live up to the level that they set, and and hopefully I have. Now I will tell you, okay, that you know, I mean, in all fairness, uh, I just haven't stopped. So once once I started releasing uh, my ideas and my creations and coming up with things and and working it all. you know, and
0: Tarbell tackling that alone. I mean, yeah. How many years did that take?
1: Five. Took five years. And that was weekly, (laughs) though. doing um uh, I was doing VHS with LnL publishing so so that's the format that and then it would have to be released in that format so that that was also a problem uh, but they they liked the concept of it it was just wasn't possible at all so I, I shelved it I put it aside and then you know 15 years after I first proposed it uh, I happened to be working with penguin magic and everything had gone to digital downloads and everything was you know done, you know, edited digitally. I myself, you know, was getting conversant with it, with editing. Uh, so I knew that it was practical because there wasn't going to be as much expense, you know, on the front end, uh, to be able to do it. And it could be, the turnaround could be quicker. So we would be able to, to do it on that weekly subscription basis. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, Penguin just, uh, they loved the idea. And when they said, yes, I was, I had to scramble and get all my notes together and then, Uh, start doing it, and uh, yeah, it turned out really good, Uh, it was more ambitious even than I thought, because I started out wanting to release them every week, and it very quickly became evident that that was not going to be possible, (laughs) That, uh, that I had, you know, I had to perform every week, but because of the way the material had to be put together, they, there was no way that I could perform enough in a week to be released in a week so we sent it uh, we, we then reset the schedule to a bi-weekly release and I still performed on average six new items every week so I wrote and designed and built and and scripted and performed and, and costumed and did music and everything for six new items a week uh, so we were in production I was I was a subscriber, man.
0: I have every single issue and you built, you costumed, but building these illusions, I mean you're on your hands and knees and sometimes he would show how the trick was done and he's on his hands and knees in his office showing, Well, the flap is gonna be here, but it starts with this and you sand this and you do this. Mm-hmm. Then he's going and performing it in Penguin that week, like fresh. Yeah. And I'm like, Did you really perform everything there? Or did you tell them, Hey, look, this is my first time ever doing this? He's like, No. That's how I would do it, and that's how I did it. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, so, no, and, and it was, uh, and, and that's the thing. I didn't, like, hire, a, you know, a staff. I didn't I didn't hire a carpenter. I didn't hire a, a costumer. Uh, you know, and I didn't rent a warehouse space uh, to set up a shop uh, because I wanted this, like, I want everything that I teach, I wanted it to be from a practical perspective. I wanted to show that, that any magician that is, interested in doing any kind of magic can use whatever resources they have to to the greatest capacity of their capabilities. And so I built everything in my tiny little basement and, you know, some of the things in my, in my little uh, living room, uh, and everything could be broken down to fit inside of a car to be taken to the show and then set up there. So if, you know, it was, it was a, it was a practical illustration of what's possible to do as as a standalone performer, you know, as somebody who really is dedicated to the art. Now, uh, when I got into some really big things, uh, I did have some help with building uh, from Nicholas Lawrence because you know Nicholas Lawrence was working with Penguin at the time, and uh, we became good friends. and He was very excited by the project, and I was like, "Well, if you're going to volunteer, of course I'm going to have you help me." You're a the entire
0: You, you could do a whole hour-long podcast or a, a DVD just talking behind the scenes about that. Because, I mean, oh, yeah. you, you were in the coin section of the book, but you would be in different outfits because you filmed this coin trick three weeks later and this coin trick here because you didn't want to do a whole coin set and yeah. illusion after illusion after illusion. But these illusions were so similar, he didn't want to do them on the same night. Yeah, Figuring all that out, dude, just hurts my head.
1: Yeah, and that, and that was what, uh, like I said, it was it was impossible to release weekly. For that reason, you know, let's say you've got the coin section, you know, uh, if I, if I don't get all of the coin tricks done in that lesson, I can't release that lesson. And there's so many of them that I can't do, you know, a dozen coin tricks in one show. And, and there's lots of variations of the same idea. So I would have to piece it out. I'd have to play, and there was a whole spreadsheet on how everything was going to go. And so, you know, a lesson, a coin lesson might be done in four performances, And so it has to happen over four performances, and then there is the editing time for it to be released. So you need to have that lead time of about you know a month and a half to two months before it gets released for all of that stuff to happen. And that's every lesson. Not every lesson had the same you know issues with it. Uh, And then they had to they had to work together. You know, I had to find a way to write a show where I could do the material that was coming up in the time that it needed to be done so that they could then turn it around and,
0: and turn it into a lesson. Yeah. Dude, I watched every single episode and I remember at one point you were hinting about doing like an anime project. Is Am I right about that? Yes. Okay, so, you know, I'm sure you've, you've heard this from
1: so many people that, uh, oh, you know, before the pandemic. So, yes. <laughs> so, uh, there were a lot of projects uh, that were being tossed around uh, inside Penguin. Uh, and uh, and I loved all of them, and one of them that, that kind of, you know, appealed to me was to do something about anime. Um, Now, that project may still happen, but I, I am no longer completely connected with Penguin. I still do independent stuff with them. I still go up there every once in a while because what happened was when the world shut down, we just didn't have as many people coming into the studio, so it didn't make as much sense for me to, to just wait around and not do very much work, and it didn't make sense for them either. So I, you know, I decided I was going to go independent, uh, and then I met my current uh, life accomplice, and I decided, you know, I'm going to move to North Carolina. So I'm in North Carolina now, uh, and no longer like directly connected with Penguin. So any of the pro, uh, you know, any of the uh, projects that we were doing that we discussed may or may not happen. Um, that's one that I might do on my own. But I have, you know, I have such, uh, so much work that I'm trying to get done right now. I am writing my masterworks. I'm writing three large volumes of my life works uh, right now. Uh, I'm doing a new lecture that I'm debuting in two days from uh, this recording. Uh, And uh, I have a, a big convention coming up that we started last year. So the Anaman project is...
0: So now that you've become proficient editing, you would do that all yourself, or would you have Sarah help and other people, or do you think you could handle it all yourself?
1: Well, I do. I am so hands-on, and always have been, uh, and uh, and so I do the bulk of the work myself. But I don't refuse help from people who are capable. So you know, uh, as as it stands right now, the the book project. I'm pretty much hundred percent doing that all myself. It's just because it's it's all about me, it's autobiographical, it's gonna have my voice within the writing and, and there's so much material that other people wouldn't even understand that I would actually I think it would I would take longer to try to explain it to somebody than me just doing it myself. Uh, so uh, so yeah, so generally speaking I do it do all the work myself. I, I really do like all the video editing. Too, just because I love it yeah, so yeah. that's yeah that's something uh what I do I have you know um Sarah Ella helps me out with uh, uh anytime that I need research done any kind of research is absolutely amazing at that of course uh we build on each other's ideas so if if I have an idea for something I'll bounce it off of her if she has an idea for something she bounces it off of me and we you know we create something together you know uh, so a lot of the newest work that we're doing is combining the the stuff that she's done and her talents and some of these ideas that I have had just dormant that never had a place for them to be. Uh, for, oh, if we're gonna do if we're gonna do a little bonus thing, uh, just here, this is a teaser for people that want to come and see the bonus thing because uh, you had talked about that. I will do a visual bonus thing that is a combination of memory and magic together
0: uh, that's never been seen before so <laughs> oh, if you come nice
1: to i'm excited
0: video part of this come and see that all right that's on the nice. patreon only guys sign up for patreon yeah. so um dan we're, we're 20 minutes into this thing already man i only go for an hour because this thing's going to cut off on me on an hour okay i could go all night i mean we're we are just we've only scratched the surface Um, my favorite trick, I have to tell you, my favorite trick of all of Tarbell, and you had a ton of them, I'm a fan, I'm telling you, but grapes to raisins, Mm. that is my favorite, and I can't do it, I'm a family entertainer, I'm just afraid somebody's going to take it the wrong way, and it's going to, but I love it, I love the humor, I love everything about it, but somebody is going to take it the wrong way, somebody's going to,
1: yeah, you know, you're. I think you're best to err on the side of caution. So <laughs> you could do it. I love um, it. I love it. You, you could do it, but you'd have to. You would have to be very, very careful uh, who you choose. And I wouldn't necessarily make them eat the raisins. <laughs> 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 that kind of thing. Even though that is the funniest part. That's what. That's what makes it super funny. Um, but, but yeah, I, I personally. Look, I, you know, I, there's nothing offensive at all in that routine. Nothing offensive whatsoever. It's in their okay. head. All right, and here's and here's the thing Here, here's how you can get away with it. All right, because set it, it is, up.
0: Let, let all the listeners know what it is first.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, so for, so for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, so you have a box, and it is a going to my show next year. Yeah.
0: Dude, <laughs> four, we, do, we do 400 shows a year. I'm in an RV, pulling my family. We have identical twins. We have a little girl. We have a babysitter, my wife, and myself, and animals in the car. I'm driving this caravan around and that thing has went through my head so many times trying to get around how I can put that in my show. I love it so much. But now, that's yeah, not... You
1: know, okay. This is the thing. Honestly, I, I think you, you probably won't get any pushback at all. Okay, you Probably won't. But if you get pushback, you've already thought about it. But think more about it. Think, you know, like like what I said. Just think. What if somebody says something? You know, what are they actually thinking? Is wrong with this thing, and what is wrong with it? You know, and and you can you can you can say to them like how how could you even believe that that insinuation that is you know that is that is frivolous? It's a frivolous insinuation. It's a joke. that's what a joke is you know it's meant to make your mind go oh i get it that's hilarious if you don't think that's funny you you don't have a sense of humor you just don't if you're taking any of that stuff literally then why aren't you concerned about where the guinea pig guinea pig came from you know Mm -hmm. do you think i have the guinea pig stuffed into that little tube in the the, the stand it was was she flattened between two of the boards Did I well, you know right, right think about think about what the trick is it's it's already fantastical so your solution is is mundane if you think that she's quickly eating <laughs> raisins right. and transforming them in a in a natural scatological way. <laughs> dude i'm telling you
0: it's my favorite trick it's my favorite trick yeah, good, all right. i have to ask you this and you can yeah. feel free to shoot me down if you're not allowed to answer was um did you have anything to do with weenie or mad joke i had nothing to do with weenie because i was uh, i was a mere child i think uh, okay i don't no, i don't have that one so i don't know when it came i thought it was about the same time yeah,
1: weenie i think i wasn't, i wasn't, I wasn't that young, but I was, you know, in my teens or something like that, I think, when Weenie came out, um, and that and was pretty funny for the day and age. Now, as far as Mad Joke goes, uh, yeah, I was... I think I have I Mad Joke most, here on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I, was, I was what you would call the mastermind behind... Uh, one.
0: Became a friend over the years, but my favorite uh, episodes ever were the Christmas episodes. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and and you guys had the best relationship, but you were an awesome host, a penguin, and you made everybody seem like your friend. But Scott and especially Simon, uh, Simon Lovell, it was just a whole other layer of just camaraderie, and that was your real friend. You could tell,
1: and you, oh, guys, yeah, well, you guys, you guys know, really uh, got along. You know, Scott and I went, uh, went. Like I said, we went way back uh, to the Vegas days, and we did spend a ton of time together and do a ton of projects together. So Mattock is the one that magicians know about, but Scott and I also uh, designed and built haunted houses together. And that's oh, something wow. that, that people don't even know. I mean, we, we did that. Uh, and we, we were interested in a lot of the same kinds of things, in musical theater and in the same kinds of movies and, and all that stuff. So we really spent a lot of time. We were, we were very, very uh, good friends, and like I said, kindred spirits. Uh, we got along famously. Um, yeah, so whenever he would turn up, whenever we would happen to work a show together, it was it was always. It was, it was like to me, it always felt like uh, you know those classic uh, buddy picture kinds of things. You know, like the Bob Hope and Bing Crosby kind of stuff. You know, or uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. You know, it, it, it's that kind of a duo where we just really work so well together. We bounce things off of one another, and you know, and uh, and one of the things that i learned early on from watching some of that classic stuff was that if you are a host of something you got to you got to take into the, the the passenger seat if not the back seat let the talent drive the vehicle um and uh and my favorite host of, of all time was johnny carson so i just loved the way that he would he would interact everybody was his friend he knew everybody he would interact with all of the people that came on uh, and, and he would just let them shine. That was the thing, you know? So, so it's the same thing. Whenever, whenever Scott would show up and we would do the Christmas things, Scott's the star. It's his show. I'm just there to support, you know, part of the supporting cast. Uh, and, and I, I approached the penguin live posting the same way, you know, yes, I would chime in with facts or questions The, the star to
0: do the best job they could do. Well, we've had Eric Tate on the podcast. I love Eric, but it's it's not it's not Dan Harlan. I told him that I miss I miss Dan, dude. I love you, but I miss Dan. And your interviews yeah, at the yeah, end and it's different, But he knew,
1: you know, it's tough shoes to, to, to fill. Yeah, you know, and especially during that that time, I wouldn't, you know, I would not want to be the person. That is trying to reinvigorate, you know, something that had collapsed during a pandemic, and and now you're like the new guy on the scene, and everybody's yeah everybody's familiar with me. They've known me for years. They've enjoyed it for years. Then it all goes away,
0: and when it comes back, it's somebody else. It's it's a hard it's a hard job. To do. And it it got reinvented because they didn't do the interview portion at the end, and that was some of my favorite. I mean, sometimes the lecturers. And I'm I'm talking. I subscribed from day one. Sometimes the lecturers, as a full-time magician, I didn't learn anything. But I loved the road stories, and I loved your interview process at the end. And I got more out of that than I did the entire lecture. I
1: loved it. And, and that's something that I that I brought to the table right away. I, you know, I I uh, I always uh, I always loved that more than just learning a lot of tricks. You know, we know we're going to do that. If somebody's going to lecture, we're going to learn a lot of tricks. But I want to know more about the person. And and I, you know, and I and I and I particularly uh, find road stories, fascinating you know, uh, stories of problems that they've encountered and fixed or whatever, or just you know, anything like that. So, uh, so I will tell you the secret, and it's a secret that I, that I learned early on, uh, and that is that there's a pre-interview questionnaire that I sent to everybody. So It had a list of questions, not too many. You, know, you, you don't want to overwhelm somebody responses you say you can fill something in if you want to two or three words just to kind of cue me as to as to what i should bring up or you can just say let's talk about this you know that kind of thing um so you 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 have a place uh, to start with that. because not everybody is as comfortable being interviewed as say i am you know if, if you're going to interview somebody that's comfortable with being interviewed you don't need any preparation at all you can ask them anything you know uh, like that, that, that's just the way it is but a lot of the people that would perform there, they they were used to lecturing. They were used to performing, but they weren't used to talking about themselves or things that had happened to them. Uh, and so they just needed that basis. And then when somebody would show up for the lecture, I would I would just go over just quickly, go over that questionnaire and go, Yeah, just tell me just here and I have a pen with me. I just go tell me a little bit about this so I can bring up a keyword, a keyword, a keyword. I'd take maybe at the most five minutes with that. And now we're set. Because honestly, if somebody if somebody says to me, you know, three words about a question, I know I've got ten minutes <laughs> from that just talking to them. Uh, and and that was part of the secret was that it was just uh, it, it was just because, and then that's why I looked like everybody's friend because it looked like I knew something already. Right, right. And that's something that I had learned about you know uh, Johnny Carson and other really great interviewers. They're not going into it cold. You know, Johnny knows to ask about certain things. He knows, he knows to bring up, Oh, you know, uh, you know, I I had heard that you were at this party and did this thing and, you know, tell us what happened there. So it, it sounds like he's got,
0: That's something, you know, we're trying to do here at the podcast. Sometimes people are just tight, though. They give you yeah. one-word answers, and it's just, you can do all the pre-interview you want. I took no notes for you. This is stuff I knew about you that I'm asking, because I know you.
1: So, yeah, but before we started this, yeah, I mean, you did the same thing. You asked yeah. me if there was anything specific I wanted to talk about, anything that I should that should be brought up, all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, we have, we have the, the most vague outline, but that's all we need. Right. Because I will, like I said, I'm an open book. I'll talk about anything. Uh, but I will tell you that I did. There were a couple of Penguin live lectures and interviews that were like that, that were that were a bit of a struggle. And hopefully they didn't seem that way, but, but they were. Of course, those people
0: will never be named. You, know, right, but, right, right. you know, and, and that's the thing. They, they just were uncomfortable for whatever reason. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It, it could be a million different things. Or it could be yeah. them. Dude you have performed all over the world i know with your lectures but mm-hmm. can you tell me about some things that you've performed what are some of stories that you have from out of the usa anything cool that you want to tell us about or just start listing places you perform? well are you are you thinking like just like uh,
1: like cool places or people that i've performed for that kind of stuff uh, you know cuz uh, cuz every i mean honestly every place that i go i i have a good time but um but I, you left Penguin I, and went on one hell of a tour.
0: You you left Penguin and you left Penguin at one point during Penguin while you were doing it. Other people took over for you, and you did a hell of a tour with uh, all your lectures. I mean, it was
1: yeah. worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, there. I I did like two major tours uh, while I was there, almost kind of back to back, and one of them was really early on uh, after I joined the. Uh, and I'm getting ready to do that uh, this next summer. So a year from now, I'm doing that same tour. Uh, that that tour is arranged by a guy uh, in France. And, uh, and and you tour uh, France, uh, Germany, uh, Belgium, uh, Switzerland, um, uh, and some other surrounding things, depending on how far you can go. And that's a bit of a whirlwind uh, thing. It happens pretty quickly. It's usually over the course of a month. And uh, I remember that one that I did when I joined Penguin uh, was 22 appearances in 30 days. So there's only eight days off (laughs) in in that whole time. Yeah. So it it was a lot. It was back. But I love that. You know, I absolutely love that. Um, And I had done that tour. This, this, when I come, when I go back uh, next summer, it'll be the third time. So I had done that tour before the advent really, the major advent of the, the internet the way that we know it and GPS the way we know it. So it was, it was early on when that technology hadn't become commonplace and I did that tour. That was tough. That was really, really tough. Like I had, I had a book of papers of who to contact. I had to, I had to call everybody, you know, uh, and, and, and that was hard because uh, they didn't have it worked out where you could use a phone like, you know, internationally At that point, there were cell phones early on, but they didn't have international service. So I would have to find a phone, a pay phone, and call, you know, oh, it it was...
0: Now they know. I have listeners in 52 countries. we sell back of the room. How hard is it to negotiate a tour that big and have all your merchandise there? Is that a logistical nightmare, or is it because it's, it a, it's an established route?
1: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's uh, it's become easier for me and for most uh, performers. Um, I used to have to lug around uh, VHS tapes. Um, that was the hardest part. Uh, there was one tour that I did in England where I sent over... final packaging at your final destination but don't overdo that because if you know if you if you get if your if your stuff is looked at uh, and they see that you are trying to come in and sell things and not claim them you could be turned back and you could lose you know you could you, you you could lose your ability to travel at least to that country. It's possible. It's happened to uh, people that I know. It hasn't happened to me, fortunately. Because uh, generally speaking, what I do in those circumstances, again, this is this is something. Let's say I sell a trick that uses a Sharpie marker. So here at home, I gimmick up the Sharpie marker, all of them, and then I'll take two dozen Sharpie markers and put them into the original boxes and seal them with paint, you know, and they look like I've just got two dozen Sharpie markers. That's it. Doesn't look like anything else. There's no packaging. There's no nothing, anything like that. And then I'll I'll bring with me some sandwich bags. And then the original, uh, like the instructions and stuff like that, will all be digital. So that when I get over to the to the country, the first thing I have to do is print out and copy or print multiple, you know, versions of those, and then package everything. So that takes a little bit of time too. It's always nice to have a little uh, like a day off once you arrive to be able to do that. Um, but that you know that way, you know, customs agents looking at that, you've just you've got twenty four Sharpie markers, nothing to see. What
0: What about somebody at the first? Like, you have friends all over the world, man. I know you yeah. do. What about just sending it to a friend over there and just picking it yes. up?
1: And, yes, and you can, and that and that's what happened with those two shipments. But but in general, uh, if you send shipments uh, far enough in advance and they're not too big, they get through. The problem is those big shipments uh, are issues and and it shouldn't have been an issue. It shouldn't have been held up in customs. It was just it was just held up because and, and everything all the paperwork was right. But if they just for whatever reason they want to inspect it or they want to deny that, that it's this stuff or that it's that price or whatever it is, they can just hold on to it. And there's nothing you can do. You you have to provide all kinds of paperwork that you don't have because it's all at home and you've already provided the proper paperwork anyway. So those are kinds of situations. So yeah, if you are able to plan far enough in advance and send most of your stuff over in smaller shipments, then, then you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough, especially if you're going over for a month. Man, a month, it's hard to, to plan for. So most of the stuff that I had, I, I sent some things over. I sent one large box over that never made it and I brought in a few other things. So that's,
0: that's, you know, that took care of the month for me. So it wasn't a complete waste. Dude, we've almost done an hour already, and we have... I, I know. We, I, this is crazy. This is crazy. I have so much to ask you. But
1: you ask me. I can, I can talk at length about anything. You, you shouldn't have known that this was going to happen. So,
0: I wanted to talk about your music. Are you still, are you still doing your band stuff?
1: I haven't had a chance uh, over, I think, about uh, the last year. I haven't really had a chance to do much uh, musically. I've just been busier with other things. Um, but I do plan to get back uh, into doing that. Uh, I've recently built a stage in my garage both for magic and for music it's not it's not finished I just I just built it and eventually I'll finish it and I'll put most of my music stuff out there so I can start doing that Uh, but I've been really excited about uh, the advancements in uh, voice activated and AI music it's going to allow me to create a lot of stuff just on my own so I, I don't have to invest in a lot of instruments I don't know if you
0: Yeah. that's amazing
1: yeah. there's, wow. some, there's some pretty cool stuff out there so it'll be fun to, to play around with that uh you know i've i've still been keeping up with just uh singing in general just keep my voice uh, pretty active um but uh but you know not, nothing nothing out professional no gigging because the, the guys that i was in a band with they're back in columbus
0: and uh you know i haven't been up there in a year yeah so you had this uh, new book on pre sale. is there any uh um... Excerpts from Mad Joke that uh, got edited out going to be in that new book. I want I want to see the stuff that you guys cut.
1: <laughs> well, okay, the way there won't be. I will. Tell okay, you okay, episode. okay. I'm too excited because there won't be. Um, because the stuff that got cut never got written down okay. or recorded in any way. It was it was all because we would sit around and pitch ideas to one another and just laugh hysterically at how. You know, we can't do that. You know, there, there's no way we can do that. But what can we do? What part of that can we do? And then we would hone it into something, and then that would be written down. So, in in the the uh, you know in the um, uh, the brainstorming sessions, in the creative writing sessions, uh, that's where all of that stuff was. We 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 had no you know, and I made it clear to everyone. I was like, look. As far as ideas go, nothing's off limits. So so, so tell me what, what you think is funny. Let's all laugh about it. We may not be able to publish it. And so there was a lot of that.
0: 7 minutes. I want to talk about yeah, right. your your new book. Where can we get your new book? Your your yes, okay. life so work.
1: three uh, is going to uh, cost you I believe uh, just 200, 250. yeah each of the books each of the books at retail will be a hundred dollars each uh, at retail and so your subscription is 250 dollars and then you know shipping will be added when they get uh, published so that's that's the way it is
0: right now I love it We'll talk Sign me up. Um, let's see let's see so dot and themystictower.com, you have information for your magic con. You did your convention last yeah, so, year for the. Uh,
1: so as far as thedanharlandmagic.com, that is going to be uh, that's it's you know going to be turned into a promotional only site. It'll redirect to the Mystic Tower. The Mystic okay. Tower is where all my sales will go uh, from now on, uh, and uh, Dan Harlan Magic will just be promotional for people who want to book me for shows and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you go to TheMysticTower.com, you can also get that information on MagicCon. That's my uh, magic convention that I actually, uh, Sarah Elephant and I have put together. We did it last year. It's called MagicCon, kind of like ComicCon, but for magicians. Uh, we're doing it again this year. This year will be slightly smaller, not because we had any problems uh, last year. In fact, we had a great attendance, and it was a fantastic convention. and ran beautifully and smoothly the problem we had was that the venue where we had it has become very popular we were one of the reasons for that we did such a great job you know hosting something in the venue that a lot of people took notice and people started to book more things into that venue and they've been very active now they're really great people so we're working with them again this year uh, but we were only able to get one day instead of our our two-day uh festival so it'll be
0: Thank you for being on here. How excited have I been? Oh, extremely, extremely. Dan's coming. Dan's coming. I can't wait. I can't wait. Dan, I have so much to talk to you about, man. We'll have to do it again some other time, but dude, I I can't thank you enough. Like I said, man, inspirational my whole career. Every time I open a magic magazine, Dan Harlan's got a new project out and it's not a bad thing. It's awesome. And (laughs) thank you for everything you've done. You're awesome, dude. You're welcome. It was fun hanging out with you. All right. Only one more thing left for us to say. See, See you, you next week. week. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash wes underscore Isley for behind the scenes videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W E S I S E L I.